Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for true crime, horror news, and real-life tales of the unexplained. Monsters at Midnight, The Revenge. Episodes of Monsters upload on a bi-weekly format every other Tuesday. I'm your host, your favorite escaped madman loose on the airwaves, terrorizing your eardrums, Matt Schaefer. Today is going to be a sort of grab bag of topics. Hopefully something piques your interest. So, lock your doors, bolt your windows, and turn out the lights. Monsters at Midnight, the motherfucking revenge, rides again. Gonna start today's episode with a bit of a life update. Uh, I got a new job. Very excited about that. Um, everything should be fine to continue our Tuesday schedule here. Um, going to be a big life change. Uh, last time I brought this up, I work have and have been working nights pretty much the past 10 years. Uh, my experience is almost solely in the restaurant industry. So my days typically began at three or four and went until as early as 11 or as late as bar close 2 a.m um there's been variations here and there obviously but and i've worked at some places that were open for lunch uh stuff like that but it's mainly been nights uh this new job starts at six in the morning uh, the benefit being that it'll wrap up pretty much in the early afternoon, always. Um, but I have a lot of adjusting I need to do to my lifestyle and uh, sleep schedule. But, that being said, I will still have afternoons free to record the show and get it out to you. And So I do not expect any serious changes in the schedule here. Also got a car. And I'm super stoked about that. I just picked it up and drove it home. And uh, drives like a dream. Yeah, 6 CD changer, which is fucking awesome. Um, I do want to look into like a radio adapter for Bluetooth. But uh, in the meantime, it was uh, <laughs> I was having fun uh, listening to CDs. Uh, brought me back to high school. Because um, I am still a clown that collects physical media. I actually offloaded a lot of my CDs a while ago because I finally just made the commitment to switch to streaming Spotify full-time. Um, and if I'm collecting music, it's typically vinyl. Um, I do have some cassettes, but I collect the majority of my music on vinyl. So I, I was just, I was done ripping CDs. I was done using, I still have a handful of CDs, um, mainly stuff that uh, is either rare or you can't find streaming super easily or stuff that has like bonus material like uh, 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 DVDs and stuff like that. So um, where was I going with all this? Oh, basically, life has been kind of hectic the past few weeks uh, i didn't really have a whole lot of free time to prepare something in particular for this episode so that's why it's going to be just sort of a grab bag of topics here um but i'm still gonna make it as fun and as interesting as possible um 
the other benefit of having a car is now hopefully once I get that sorted and get more equipment and stuff, Joel Lynn will be back on the show in a regular, if not uh, semi-regular capacity, which I'm excited about. I'm sure all y'all are excited about. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what I got going on. I hope you are all doing well. Uh, if you are living in the same state as me, you will probably be as upset about this weird weather we've been having. We're damn near through April, coming up on May, and it's like 40 fucking degrees today. 46. It's fucking chilly out, dude. Weird. We had that hot streak. Hot streak, meaning like mid to high 70s, which was nice, but I thought it was going to be another year where we just skipped spring and went straight to summer. Um, next week's looking better, mid-60s. Uh, keeping sunny thoughts uh, over here <laughs> in the castle. I've got a cat on my lap, and I think he's very happy to see me. Yeah. How are you doing, buddy? The cat's name is Bella. He's actually my girlfriend's cat. He lives with me because uh, my girlfriend's uh, roommate has two dogs, and they do not play nicely, so he lives with me, so he has a free reign of the place. He's very old. He is 18 years old, and he's super sweet and super handsome, and he's getting good scritches right now. Um, Meredith has two stories about why he's named Bella. Um, the first, more logical story, is that she got the cat when she was very young and just thought that he was a girl, so na she uh, named him Bella. But retroactively, she uh, has said that she he is named for uh, Bella Lugosi, the uh, famous Universal actor of uh, Dracula. Um, she's a big Dracula fan. Shouts to Meredith if you are listening, and shouts to Bella, the best boy. But let's get into it. This is sort of old news at this point. This is something I, I have been meaning to talk about, but I just keep forgetting. Eli Roth turning Thanksgiving into a feature-length film. For those of you unaware, uh, when Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino did the double feature Grindhouse, they had a handful of other directors direct fake trailers to bridge the two movies. Grindhouse was presented as a double feature in the style of like a drive-in movie or like a double bill at a Grindhouse theater. So in between Planet Terror and Death Proof, there were a handful of fake trailers directed by uh, uh, Eli Roth, Rob Zombie, and Simon Pegg, and then Robert Rodriguez as well did an, uh, another one that would become Machete. Um that were sort of, like, just painted this picture of, like, exploitation cinema in the 70s and 80s. Eli Roth directed a trailer for a, a horror, a, excuse me, a holiday-themed slasher movie called Thanksgiving, which was always my favorite trailer. It is so fucking funny and so true to the time period that he is lifting the uh, stylings from. And finally... After many, many years of rumors and speculation, Eli Roth is turning it into a feature-length film. Looking at a Collider article right now, 
What's Eli Roth's Thanksgiving About? The movie is set in Plymouth, Massachusetts, a town that takes Thanksgiving very, very seriously. The table is set, the festivities have begun, but an uninvited guest has arrived, and this year there will be no leftovers. When a serial killer sets his sights on the residents of the town, he is determined to kill as many of them as possible. Um, the big question to be answered is why? Uh, what is it about Thanksgiving that sets the killer off? Knowing Roth, it could be something as simple as a guy who just really wants to fight for the rights of animals raised for slaughter. Uh, that was all directly from Collider.com. Um, we've got we've got at least one big name that I recognize. Uh, Patrick Dempsey has been confirmed uh, to play the town's sheriff uh, alongside Addison Ray, who is apparently a TikTok uh, influencer who is uh, recently making her transition into uh, uh, feature films. There's a handful of other people who have been confirmed for the, cla uh, the cast, but I do not see... Okay, so Rick Hoffman, who is from Hostel, so he's an Eli Roth alum. Yeah, like, none of these, I don't... None of these names I recognize. Um... No trailer yet, but we do have a confirmed release date, November 17th, uh, and it is going to be released in theaters. Um, I'm fucking so stoked for this. I, I haven't seen a whole lot of Eli Roth's movies. Um, I've seen Cabin Fever with the sound off, because uh, the only time I saw it was uh, during the sabbatic days of doing horror movie trivia. Uh, that movie looks fucking wild. I need to sit down and watch it proper one of these days. Um, the only other Eli Roth movie that I've seen is Knock Knock, which is not a great movie, but has some really wild and deeply unsettling moments in it. Um, and I know in the general landscape of horror, Eli Roth is kind of a hit-or-miss filmmaker. Uh, some people really fuck with him, some people really don't. Um, I appreciate him from what I have seen of his work. I appreciate him the same way I appreciate Rob Zombie, where he is a director with a vision that is wholly his own, very influenced by specific horror of the 70s and 80s. And, like, with him and Rob Zombie, he's, like, a true exploitation filmmaker. Uh, the Hostile movies were sort of... That and Saw were sort of the kickoff for what's we call the torture porn era but they're they're exploitation movies they're grindhouse movies so i think eli roth is going to be well suited to doing a throwback slasher movie um in the style of uh holiday slasher that you would have seen in the late 70s or early 80s post halloween um I, the biggest thing I want to see in the film is the... Ooh, this cat is doing his goon shit right now. You're a star, buddy. What are you doing? All right. I uh, apologize. Uh, the biggest thing I want to see in the movie is this, the sort of tongue-in-cheek sense of humor that's in the fake trailer re retained. I think the movie would be infinitely more interesting if it is sort of a black horror comedy um because i think the movie could uh become 
generic or fall into like uh, dated tropes or something if he just tries to play it too straight. Um, so I'm very hoping that there is a sense of humor to it. Um, I'm hoping that it retains sort of the vintage uh, gritty style that the trailer had to, which uh, uh, knowing Eli Roth and knowing uh, so, uh, his sort of pedigree as like uh, an exploitation filmmaker, I think it definitely will. Um, but I'm looking forward to this. Uh, yeah, and the fact that it's coming out so soon is fucking stellar. Um, it's a little alarming just given uh, how quick the turnaround has been be between it like being officially announced and it having a release date. Um, that actually reminds me of another topic we could go into here. Um, because in the past that is really like shown um, as a negative. Uh, what immediately comes to mind is uh, Black Black Christmas 20, 2019. Uh, that movie was announced, I believe, in like the spring and came out that December. There was like a six-month turnaround uh, for that fucking movie. So I'm hoping that maybe it was. It's been. It has been worked on and was just kept under wraps, kept secret for a while, but. We'll see. Uh, I'm still looking forward to it. Uh, gonna be long overdue. Uh, if we could just get Simon Pegg to make don't fucking we you could do Grindhouse too. You got you get just get Eli Roth to do Thanksgiving and Simon Pegg to do don't release them on a double bill. You, you just you got Grindhouse too. Then it'd be perfect. Looking forward to it. Uh, speaking of upcom upcoming movies that were just announced and have a shockingly quick turnaround, Five Nights at Freddy's is finally, finally being uh, adapted into a film. I say finally like we needed it. We really didn't. <laughs> but uh, here we are anyway. Um, I say finally because this movie has been teased for like a shit long time. Uh, for those of you unaware, Five Nights at Freddy's is a series of horror video games where the general concept is you are monitoring security cameras in a pizza place, uh, sort of Chuck E. Cheese style pizza place, uh, monitoring these security cameras to prevent these uh, possessed animatronics from killing you. Uh, if you watch Game Theory, like I do, you may know that there's a lot more to, like, the lore and the story than just that. But for what it's worth, that's really all you need to understand. Um, in March 2017, it was announced that Bloomhouse was going to produce the film. And this was after, this was after like, it originally being announced in April 2015 uh, with just a lot of uh, production delays. I'm learning just now that apparently Chris Columbus was set to write and direct it in February 2018, which sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> Chris Columbus is a fine director. I love the Harry Potter. I love Home Alone. But this just it doesn't seem like the project for him. Um, but now it has been announced officially, uh, being directed by Emma Tammy. 
uh, with a screenplay by Emma Tammy, Seth Kudabak, and Scott Co- Scott Cawthon, Scott Cawthon, who created the series. And we've got some big names in this cast. Josh Hutcherson and Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard is apparently playing William Afton, who is sort of one of the villain figures in this franchise. The premise said to be Mike Schmidt, the Josh Hutcherson character. A troubled security guard starts a five-night job at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza, a family entertainment sister, center, excuse me, where he discovers its four animatronic mascots move and kill anyone that is still there after midnight. So yeah, this literally just sounds like exactly like the game. Um, this is crazy to me. This is crazy to me that this is finally happening. Especially after, like, fucking Willy's Wonderland came out and that was sort of being hyped as, like, oh, the Five Nights at Freddy's movie, not based off Five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, because it's essentially the same plot. Uh, Willy's Wonderland was so fucking bad. That's one of those movies where it's like being a Nicolas Cage fan people have shit like that to point to, and I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I, I can't defend this. Um, but yeah, shocking enough, uh, Bloomhouse, who also produced the Black Christmas remake, is doing the same shit again, announced, literally, like, just announced this movie, maybe like a week or two ago, and October 27th, 2023 release date. That's insane to me. I I love Matthew Lillard to death, and it's cool that Josh Hutcherson is in this movie, but I have very, very low hopes for this movie. It's it's a weird concept to adapt into a film, and that's the thing. is like some things get so popular that, especially with video games, the discussion always comes around to when are we going to see a movie adaptation of it? And some video games don't need a movie adaptation. Video games are still, like... I mean, it's much, much better now than it has been in, like, the 90s or the early 2000s, but video games are finally starting to be respected as, like, their own legitimate form of media. And we don't fucking need another mediocre to shit adaptation of something that's really really good the only thing that makes me hopeful is that scott cawthon is helping with the screenplay but that being said don't have super high hopes for this movie uh shoot me a dm shoot me an email let me know what your thoughts are Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I just missed the hype train. But yeah, it's going to be released on Peacock and in theaters simultaneously on October 27th of this year. Just bananas crazy to me. Well, trying to think what else I could talk about. There is something that I can talk about um, that I kind of just stumbled into accidentally. One of the reasons why I'm doing this episode this way is just sort of a grab bag off the cuff thing. It's because, like, I'm really still trying to go see Evil Dead Rise and Renfield and get reviews for those going. Um, hopefully that'll be the next episode, but in the meantime, this is what we're working with. Cinema Snob just uh, did a review of the 1981 slasher movie, The Burning, which I have seen. 
and I enjoy thoroughly. Uh, it has a pretty famous, uh, like, mass murder scene on a raft that is super iconic. Tom Savini's special effects. It's also super famous for uh, being one of the earliest screen appearances of Jason Alexander and Holly Hunter. And it's now sort of become infamous for being, like, co-written and created by Harvey Weinstein. And it's, <laughs> watching the Cinema Snob review, he really points out that there's a lot of unfortunate, problematic shit that happens in that movie. And <laughs> is it because Harvey Weinstein wrote it? Who knows? Um, but it's honestly not... It's no more dated than most of the other slasher movies that were coming out at that time. It's just like one of those things that I, as a horror movie fan, have come to expect. And while I don't agree with it, it just comes with the territory. Um, however, The Burning is loosely inspired by this urban legend from the east coast of Cropsey, which was sort of seen as this local boogeyman figure uh, from New York City, um, which, and then a lot of stories in particular cropping up from Staten Island. Now, this... This sort of coincides with a true crime case that happened in the 70s and 80s uh, entailing a man named Andre Rand who has been convicted as a child kidnapper. Um, I'm, I'm sort of reading off like stuff because there is a... Let me try this again. There's a documentary that I just watched called Cropsy that is sort of the thesis of the movie is to sort of meld together this idea of a local boogeyman and urban legend into true crime events and a lot of it having to do with people looking for someone to blame. I don't super recommend this documentary because it, like... It buries the lead on a lot of, like, important details and brings up a lot of red herrings and ultimately, like, I don't really feel like I learned a whole lot. But it's a very compelling and deeply unnerving story, especially since a lot of this dates back to, like, these old abandoned areas in certain, certain areas of Staten Island. Um, especially coming to this Willowbrook State School, which was essentially an asylum for mentally handicapped children. They show some footage of this, uh, like, journalist, journalist expose uh, ex, of the Willowbrook State School that he did in, like, the mid-70s, and it is horrific. It was hard to watch. The just these poor kids just running around naked, wallowing in their own filth, just like unattended to. And this journalist expose sort of sort of brought to the attention of the public like this is happening right now. And we need to do something about it. Apparently, according to the documentary, though, it still took like 10 years before this place was shut down. 
But this led to this uh, abandoned, like, asylum, essentially. And there's a lot of other abandoned places. Like, there was a tuberculosis hospital. And that's where these sort of these rumors uh, started about this man named Cropsey that dwells in these abandoned locations. And you need to be careful because he comes after children. Um and like the story obviously gets warped and changed and it's like sometimes he has a hook for a hand sometimes he's brandishing a knife but this all culminates when a young girl who oh no i'm not gonna be able to find her name this all culminates when a young girl named what is her name this is the best podcast you ever heard. I know, I know. Jennifer Schweiger was reported missing on July 9th, 1987. Witnesses spotted Jennifer walking with this man, Andre Rand, who was a local uh, homeless man uh, who would set up camp in these sort of abandoned areas around the Willowbrook Asylum. Um, her body was found after... The body of Jennifer Schweiger was found after a 35-day search. Now, eventually, they start connecting this man, Andre Rand, to several other disappearances of children in the area. Most, if not all of them, experiencing some sort of mental handicap. It turns out that... Andre Rand worked as like a janitor, I believe, or uh, like a some sort of he he essentially worked at Willowbrook State School. Um, in what capacity, I'm not seeing immediately. Um, yeah, he was a custodian, orderly, and physical therapy aide at the Willowbrook State School. So it's a interesting story because this this gave this gave um staten island sort of an outlet for this urban legend for all this these fears all these children and here's the thing jennifer schweiger was like the first big big news case there were several children Jennifer went missing in 1987. There were several children spanning back to 1972 that went missing that are sort of tied into Andre Rand, alleged victims. This this is a deeply compelling story. I'm bringing it up because (laughs) the documentary doesn't do a whole lot with it. It gets a lot of interviews with people. There's a lot of hearsay, he said, she said thing. And I understand what they're trying to do with their thesis of, like, this person becoming this larger-than-life boogeyman, essentially. But then there's just, like, a lot of weird shit about how they, like, suspected that he was involved in the occult in some sort of capacity, and in this, like, tunnel network and underground system near the school, he would, like, be this Pied Piper for other people experiencing homelessness, and was sacrificing children 
that were mentally handicapped uh, for, like, because they were unwell, because they weren't worthy or something. Like, it's a very, very strange documentary. Um, with a lot of, like, just, like, nothing happening in it. Like, the filmmakers finally, like, uh, Andre Rand finally reaches out <laughs> to them and was like, I'll do an interview with you. And then they get to the prison and he declines the interview and they're like, yup, he won't see us. And a cop was like, yeah, he did the same thing to me. It's just like weird. It, he's a deeply weird human being. And the thing is, it's like, we don't know for sure if he did this because there's no concrete evidence suggesting it. It's a lot of witness hearsay and a lot of people essentially wanting like frontier justice for this man, for this drifter, for this someone who didn't fit into the ideal. It's a very strange story that I encourage you to read up on. Um, maybe watch the documentary if you're curious. It's sort of the easiest way to get it all in one format, but it's it's not the best documentary because ultimately I don't really feel like I learned anything. And that's also kind of the scariest part. It's like we truthfully don't know. This man has been convicted and it refuses to make any sort of like case for himself other than just saying that he is innocent. But, however, it depends on who you ask. Because there's like a preacher that he lived with that says that he confessed to him. It's a very strange story. The story of Andre Rand may never be resolved. He, especially, he is 80. No, excuse me. He will be eligible for parole in 2037 when he will be 93 years old. All of his alleged victims vanished from or were murdered in the Staten Island area with the exception of Narenberg. Audrey Lynn Narenberg. Their cases remain unsolved. Well, I think that's a nice spooky note to end it on. I hope you enjoyed this little off-the-cuff uh, grab bag episode of Monsters. Uh, if you have any thoughts on anything that I brought up, feel free to shoot me a DM or send me an email. We're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Nothing on the YouTube channel yet, but hopefully soon. Uh, email is monsters.midnight at gmail.com. Midnight spelt incorrectly. I'm also on Letterboxd, letterboxd.com slash mattflamingo. I try to review everything I see, so if you want my opinions on non-horror movies, you can check me out there. Until next time, my tender lumplings, this cat is up to some shit right now, and I need to put an end to it.